the house of the Lord. Amen. What a beautiful day it is to be celebrating not only the Lord, but to the men and women who serve the house of God. What an awesome time that is that we can say thank you and appreciate those people who uh, give their lives, their time, their energies, uh, their monies, in fact, uh, to the work of the Lord right here at Harvest Point Church. So uh, blessings on Pastor Josh and, and, and our youth pastors, uh, uh, Pastor Zeke and uh, Cynthia, and of course Daniel and Maddie. I know that they, they're there in the back. Amen. Blessings on uh, our, our wonderful team of people committed in the Lord and for the Lord's name to do the work of the kingdom of heaven. Even next Sunday, we're going to continue to celebrate. There's a lot of people in this church that are serving that are giving their time. Sometimes you don't even see them because they're in the back. They're out of the view of the church, but they're serving God. And we're going to celebrate them next week. So I'm looking forward to that. We're going to have a good time saying thank you to those that serve the family of faith right here at Harvest Point Church. So this is what I'm going to have you do. I'm going to have you to stand. Today we're going to get into the Word of the Lord. In fact, could I suggest to you that today I'm about to give you uh, the beginning of, we're starting, of course, in the series, The Names of Jesus, and we've been kind of setting the, the tempo and getting a, really setting a, a foundation for the names of Jesus. Today we're going to be talking about the greatest name that is attributed to the Lord in the name that we call the Lord Emmanuel, right, Emmanuel. And so that's the title of today's message, Emmanuel, and we're going to get to some conversation today that I believe can transform your life, right? I pray today that you won't just hear this message. I pray that you'll do the message. And so whatever you're hearing, I pray that you take what you hear and apply that into your life uh, this evening, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you're going to hear some wonderful truths in the, in the Word of the Lord. So if you have your Bible, I want to take you to St. Saint, Saint John chapter 14, and, and I'm going to take you to what I have often called the bullseye of Christianity. This is if you want to know, Pastor, what's the aim, what's the goal, what am I to do, what am I, what am I supposed to look like, I want to take you to the bullseye of Christianity, St. John chapter 14. Slide your finger down. To, we'll start there at verse 7. I think that'll give us enough preface. This is, this is of course, uh, the place where the Lord, speaking of his departure, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And these are those wonderful expressions. Of course, this is where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. Such wonderful expressions. If you get a chance, you can read the whole chapter. But I want to start you at verse 7 because there's a very interesting conversation. And I... I'm thankful for the man by the name of Philip who begins this conversation and gives to us uh, such wonderful expressions. If he hadn't asked this question, we wouldn't have this, this wealth of knowledge. And again, I'm going to begin reading here uh, St. John uh, chapter 14 beginning at verse 7. Notice what it says here, and I'll start here in this conversation, of course. Thomas says, Lord, we know whether thou goest and where, how can we know the way? And of course, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but me. Now watch verse 7. He says this. If, we, if ye had known me, you should have known my Father. Oh, come on, somebody. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. From henceforth you know him and have seen him. And Philip said unto him, Lord, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Now listen to that. He wants to see God. Notice what happens. And Jesus said unto them, said unto him, pardon me, Have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. So if, if you have a pen, if you haven't highlighted that verse, that ought to be a, a verse that you've memorized, committed to memory. Jesus says, the Father in me that does the work. Oh, there's a revelation that we all ought to lay hold to right there. Notice verse 11. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. And I'm going to say that one more time. Believe me that I am in the Father 
and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and even greater works shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, I'm going to say it one more time, and whatever you ask in my name, right? And I'm, and I'm saying the most beautiful name that we call Emmanuel. And whatever you ask in my name, look what he says, that will I do, catch this, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. And you shall ask anything in my name. And what does the Bible say? Jesus says, I will do it. If you keep, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in, with you and shall be in you. And I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world see me no more. But ye see me, because I live, ye shall live also. Now verse 20. I'm closing with this one. At that time ye shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Y'all ready to get to this, this, this lesson on Emmanuel? Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this glorious message, a timely message, a message that, that needs to be heard, needs to be said the family of faith would come to the understanding that you are with us. Holy Spirit, press this down into places within our heart and mind, our spiritual mind, and our spiritual heart that it may know that you will never leave us nor forsake us. Father, I pray today that this word, that this counsel concerning you will be so ingrained upon our hearts. Holy Spirit, help us. We need this message Help us as we move forward in these, in these names of Jesus that the church may operate in the full counsel of the word of the Lord, that we may walk in the abilities that you've given us, that we may walk in the counsel of the word of the Lord. And Holy Spirit, we need your help for that to happen. We pray that this message yield back into the family of faith a hundred times that which was sown. And I pray to come alive in many of these that will hear this that will leave this service today empowered by the very Word of God. And I pray your blessing, your purpose, your strength as we move forward. And I pray that in no other name that we can pray with that beautiful name we call Jesus. Amen and amen. Listen, before we get seated, uh, can I encourage you to go say hello to somebody, greet somebody in the Lord, and will you tell them God's with you? Just say God's with you. Go find somebody and tell them God's with you. Amen. God's with you. Praise the name of the Lord. God's with you. I greet somebody in the Lord. Say hello. Welcome everybody that's tuning in today by stream. Those that are watching, amen, we welcome you. We always have lots of people tuning in to our broadcast. So we say hello and welcome and blessing and glory. and Amen and amen. Blessings to each and every one of you as you move about and say hello one to another. Amen. Greetings in the name of the Lord. Greetings in the name of the Lord. Amen. This is going to be a, a beautiful day that's going to help us to comprehend the fullness of the kingdom of God. I'm looking down at my time, and I know that my time is running a little short, so pardon me if we get a little past the 12-hour. The, the amen. I know that you understand how important it is to hear the word of the Lord, and I know a lot of you come to hear God's word. How many come to hear the word of the Lord? Amen. I mean, we, we do a lot of things, but everything is in preparation to hearing the voice of God, right? This is, this is could I say, the meat of the service, right? To hear God's voice. I, I take it seriously as we get into the things of the Lord. JC, if you don't mind, if you could bring me down just a tad. I feel like I'm a little strong. I don't want to get any uh, feedback from the speakers. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Are y'all ready? I'm gonna I'm gonna get in some stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna put this in you like like layers, like tres leches, man. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna layer this message for you. Hopefully you'll come out of here with some understanding. 
Let me, let me start first with the commission. Uh, many of you are familiar with the, the 10th chapter of St. Matthew, where Jesus commissions the disciples to go into the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you too, baby. Jesus commissions the disciples with, a, with almost a pretext to the ability and power of God by saying this. As you go, preach saying, catch it, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, as you go and as you preach, first give the pretext, God is here. Let me say that one more time. You might have missed that. that uh, that's a profound statement to make. He says, as you go and as you preach, make sure that you let everybody know before you preach that God is present. He is at hand. Well, you look at your name and say, God is here. You, you don't have to get goosebumps. You, you, you don't have to go through a lot of rigors of faith. You just have to know that God is with us. He's here. In fact, we, we get the verse, the Bible tells us that wherever two or three come together, that are gathered together in his name, he says, I am in the midst of you. Uh, th 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 that's really the authority in the church that we can come and we can celebrate that Jesus is with us. God is here. I wish I had got more people excited about that. I don't know. Maybe if I said, uh, you know, some actor, some movie, some athlete, some movie star, some athlete was here, you'd get real excited. If I said, next week some famous person was here, we'd probably be packed. But if I tell you Jesus showing up, we'd just say, oh, yeah, we know. Let me give you this. Jesus was actually quoting the prophet Jeremiah. The prophet Jeremiah, Jer Jeremiah 23, 23. Will you remember that verse? Will you remember, will you remember Jeremiah 23, 23? Just, just put it in your memory bank. In fact, could I encourage you to memorize it. This is what God said. Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Let me say it again. God himself told the prophet Jeremiah, am I a God at hand? Or a God afar off. He says, can any person, can anyone hide himself in secret places that I shall not see him? I feel heaven and earth. Even the prophet Jonah gives us a testimony of just how close God is. The Bible says when, when Jonah was, was thrown off the ship on, as it sailed to Tarshish, the Bible, Jonah says as he began to fall down into the depth of the ocean, he said, I felt seaweed all about my head. And he said, and yet you were there. He's with us. He's with us. God is with us. It is part of the inherent nature of God. God is what we call omnipresent. It is impossible for God not to be with you. Let me say that one more time for somebody because I believe there's a lot of unbelief in the house. The unbelief is any place in your life where you don't see God with you. And there's a lot of people that will often say, Pastor, I don't sense that God is with me. I don't feel that God is with me. Where is God when I'm going through this trouble? And I'm here to tell you that God is with you. He's with you. I've even suggested many times that we have to learn to practice the presence of God. Because if I believe that you knew that God was with you as you drove in your car, it would dictate what radio station you listened to. I believe if you knew that God was in your bedroom, it would dictate the kind of conversations you have. Listen, God is with you. You say God is with us. I mean, all the time God is with us. He is Emmanuel. You probably know this story because it's listed in St. Matthew chapter 1. Can I give you that? In fact, open your Bible. St. Matthew chapter 1. You, you remember this story because this is a story where, where, where Mary was impregnated by the Holy Ghost. And she told Joseph, Joseph, I'm, I, 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 I'm pregnant. And Joseph, not believing the story, he just decided that he would divorce her privately. And the Bible says that as he slept, he dreamt a dream. The archangel Michael came to Joseph as he slept. And he said, Joseph, watch this. Watch what he says. Catch, catch this. Joseph, listen, son of David. Oh, I like that. 
You know, because God said, I'm going to keep my promise to the house of David. I'm going to keep my promise to the throne of God. And he says, Joseph, son of David, are you there? I can't, I can't remember. I'm just kind of, just, just the spirit using me, and I'm just quoting verses, right? He says, he says Joseph, son of David, fear not. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. For that which is conceived of her is the Holy Ghost. Somebody say hallelujah. For that which is conceived of her is the Holy Ghost that Jesus, God, would now become incarnate. He would be with us. The the Bible says that that this was done, of of course, you know, that that, that there was was some fear, some trepidation. and, and, and and, And the archangel was trying to get Joseph to remove that fear from his life. And he says, and all this was spoken by the... By, by the Lord, uh, through the prophet Isaiah saying, watch this, now here we go. By the prophet Isaiah saying, behold, a virgin shall conceive yeah. and bear a son. Watch. And they shall call his name, listen, Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Most people have never bothered to go back into the Old Testament to say, well, what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah that this prophetic word would be given? This is actually in Isaiah chapter 7. In fact, in fact, when you open your Bible, Isaiah 7, I'm just taking you through like a little, a, a little tour through the Bible. I believe it will help you because we are talking about God with us, Emmanuel. I want you to see that in the seventh chapter of the book of Isaiah, verse 14, uh, this verse uh, is the verse that, 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 that the apostle Matthew, Matthew quotes Isaiah uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 14. And I want you to see it for yourself because there's a connection. We need to understand the story. And I want you to see that this, is, this passage is unique in and of itself. And, 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 and I'll just I'll read it there for you. So you, you, you're there, uh, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Uh, and let me see if my memory does me well. So it says, it says and the Lord himself yeah. shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive, bring forth a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, now notice the next verse, verse 15, because this is the prophetic word. So I don't want you to get some of the word, not all of the word, because how many know a half-truth is still a lie? I, I, I want you to hear the prophetic word. And what does it say? Butter and honey shall he eat. Here we go. Butter and honey shall he eat. That he may know to refuse the evil and to choose the good. Wow. wow. Now, now there's verse 16. You see verse 16. Notice what that says. Notice that the prophet Isaiah comes back and says... That the child before, are y'all there reading that? Before he know to, to refuse the evil and choose the good. The land which thou abhorrest, are, are, y'all, are y'all reading that? Shall be forsaken of both her kings. That's the prophetic word. It's a word of butter and honey. It is said that King Ahaz, I mean, you, you want me to give you the backdrop? Let, let me teach you some history so that you'll understand how prolific this verse is. That the Bible says that there was a king, King Ahaz, who was the king over Judah. And he had heard that the king of Israel and the king of Syria were, were conspiring together to come and take over Jerusalem. And so what he did was he sent a message to the superpower called Assyria and sent messengers to say, I'll be your slave and I'll be your son if you'll defend me from these two kings. And when God heard that, he got angry. Because how many know you have a jealous God? So God aroused the the prophet Isaiah to go back to King Ahaz. And you know what he told him? Listen, King Ahaz, you need to know, watch this, that God is with you. All you need is God. 
And in fact, if you need a sign to prove that God is going to deliver you from your enemies, God sent me to give you this word. You can ask any sign from God. You can ask of the deepest sign in heaven and to the deepest sign on the earth that God's going to prove to you that he is with you. You know what King Ahaz said? No, I'm not going to ask for a sign. I'm not going to tempt the Lord. But in reality, he had already conspired to get protection from another king. This is where Isaiah steps in as God charged his spirit to tell that king, oh, you don't want a sign. I know why you don't want it, because you have faith in something other than God. But so that you know, I'm going to give you a sign, something from the depths of God, a sign that reveals just how deep God is. He says, he's going to give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive She's going to bring forth a son. They're going to call her Emmanuel. And just so you know, while you're going through your little trial, that we're still going to be on milk and honey. God's going to give you a sign that while your enemy is barking at you, you're not going to lose the delicacies that I promised you. You know that God promised the nation of Israel a land flowing with milk and honey. And I'm going to keep that honey and that milk flowing while your enemy is barking at you. Do you know, do you know that theologians say that King Ahaz had a baby? And do you know that they called the baby Emmanuel? And before that baby knew right and wrong, the lives of those two kings were taken. I want you to see That it is the very depths of God, the richness of the kingdom of heaven, the fullness of God to give you a sign so rich, so deep, so thoroughly satisfying to anybody that would hear it, that God would say, I am with you. Anybody happy about that? I mean, that God is with you. Anybody really excited that, that God is with you? He's with you. You know, often it's, you know, I always say sometimes it's good to flip the coin over. Can I, can I give you another story? Anybody want another story? I'm going to give you a story because I'm going to walk you through. Because I, and what I'm talking about this morning, this is superficial. Everything I'm telling you, man, this is like, this, this is like a, an appetizer. I haven't even got to the main course yet. I just want you to show you. I'm just giving you something so superficial. that This to me is like cotton candy. Y'all ready? So I haven't even said anything rich to you yet. You are, some of these things you already should embody the fullness of that. God's with me. You, you, you should already know that, man. You, if you don't know that, if you're not walking in that revelation, you don't even understand your own faith and your own Christianity. You don't even understand what's happening. But let, let me give you the converse. I've always been intrigued. Uh, you, you, some of y'all know that I love reading the Old Testament. And I often tell people, and I'm going to say this to you, every red letter in your Bible, every time you see a red letter in your Bible, that's Jesus speaking. Every time you read a black letter, that's the Holy Ghost speaking. So I take them both very seriously. The Bible tells me in the first book of 1 Samuel that there was a a family, a couple, uh, uh, that there was was Elkanah had two wives, uh, 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 Hannah and Peninnah. Some of you know this story because this woman, Panetta, uh, was giving birth and having children, and yet uh, uh, Hannah was barren. In fact, the Bible says that the Lord had closed her womb. And the Bible says that she went to the, to the temple in Shiloh where, where the priest Eli was. And the Bible says that she was there lamenting so that she couldn't have a baby, that, that she cried and she was weeping so profusely and she was probably just burying her soul that when the, when the priest Eli saw her, he thought she was drunk. And he told that woman, put away your wine. How dare you come to the house of God drunk like a skunk. And the Bible says, she said, Lord, I'm not drunk, she says, but I'm, I'm grieving in my spirit. I'm pouring out my spirit to God. And the Bible says that the priest Eli said, be it so unto thee as you petition the Lord. And the Bible says when she went back and she knew her husband, she had a son. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
so moved by that pregnancy, so moved by the hand of God that when that child was weaned, she brought that child back to church. She brought him back to Shiloh. And you know what she said? She says, Eli, I'm giving you my son for the rest of his life that he might serve the Lord. It is interesting that this is the story where we begin to understand the life of a man we call Samuel. Uh, Samuel was a little kid. He, he was in charge of opening the doors and lighting the candles in the house of God. And then at the end of the day to blow the candles out and close the door. And the Bible says in that day there was no open vision. Nobody was hearing God. Nobody could discern the voice of God. Can you imagine? They couldn't discern it. God was absent from them. And it just so happened, the Bible says that as he slept, he heard his name called. The Bible says when he heard his name, he ran back over to Eli. He said, Eli, did you call me? He said, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. He thought that was weird. He went back and laid down. And no sooner than he laid down, he heard his name again, Samuel. He got back up again. Master, you called me. He says, listen, I didn't call you. Son, go back and lay down. He went back the third time. He heard his name again, ran back to Eli. And Eli perceived that they might be God talking. He said, son, if you hear that voice again. All you have to do is say, Lord, here I am. Your servant heareth. And as he slept, the voice was heard. Samuel. Samuel. He said, here am I. Your servant heareth. And God began to proceed to tell him what he was about to do. God gave to him a word about what God was going to do in his own house. Some of you may not know this, but, but Eli had two boys, Hophni and Phinehas. These boys were evil. The Bible says that even as men came to the house of the Lord to present their sacrifice and the fat thereof, they would come and steal that sacrifice. So much so that they profaned the sacrifice that the people of Israel didn't even want to go. They were disparaged. They, they were discouraged. Why take my sacrifice if it's only going to be stolen and taken? And it angered God. And he says, I want you to know that in one day I'm going to take both those boys' life because they've profaned my sacrifice. And I'd always said that Eli would be in my house. He's of the tribe. He's, he's of Aaron. He was born of the fourth son of Aaron. He's in the line of priesthood. He said, I'm going to take him out of my house because he didn't rebuke his sons. He didn't chastise them. He didn't correct them. So the Bible says the next morning, I'm going fast. The next morning, uh, uh, Samuel called uh, to, to uh, pardon me, Eli called to Samuel and said, what did the Lord say? And you better tell me everything he said. And if you don't tell me, worse things come upon you than what the Lord told you. And he proceeded to tell him what he would do. Eli simply said, let the Lord do what seemeth good to him. Now watch. Those boys, when they heard that the Philistines had Captain Ebenezer, that they were going to come down and attack Israel, that the Bible says that they, without any counsel from God, they took the Ark of the Covenant into the battlefield. And the Bible says they took the Ark of the Covenant. Even the Philistines were terrified, but they hunkered down. And when they began to attack Israel, not only did they capture the Ark of the Covenant, 30,000 Israelites were killed. Now catch this. And Hophni and Phinehas died on the battlefield that day. One of the men of the tribe of Benjamin ran back to Eli. Eli says, what's all this noise that I hear? And he says, Eli, hear this. They've captured the Ark of the Covenant. And the Bible says when he heard that, he fell back in his chair. The Bible says he was 98 years old. His eyes had grown dim. And when he fell back, he hit his head on a gate and it snapped his neck. And there he died. Hearing that fatal news that the Ark of the Covenant was gone. The Bible says that same man went over to talk to Phineas' wife. And when she said, what had happened? He says, listen, your father-in-law just died. Phineas and, and Hophni, they're, they're dead. They've been killed. And the Ark of the Covenant is gone. The Bible says this woman was pregnant. And when she heard the news, she was so distressed that she went into premature labor. 
And as she lay there giving birth to that child, while she was breathing her last breaths, they told her, fear not, for you have a son. And she said, call him Ichabod, for the glory of God has departed from us. Call him Ichabod, for the glory of God has left us. Call him Ichabod, for the glory of God has departed. You know, I think there's a lot of people with that Ichabod spirit in here. And it's real easy to get into that temperament where we have our eyes on stuff rather than God. And as great as the Ark of the Covenant is, and you've hit me, you've heard me in times past preach on the Ark of the Covenant. I'm here to tell you, the Ark of the Covenant is not God. It's precious. It was a relic. It was something that they had. It was a place where God would speak. But remember, we're not after where God speaks. We're after who speaks, and that's him. And I want you to know that there's a lot of people in here. They say, oh, God's not with me. I don't feel him. I went to church, and pastor didn't preach the message I wanted to hear. The worship singers, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel the presence. I hear this all the time from people. You know, I go to my church, and I'm just not getting fed. I hear the message. I just don't seem to understand. It's, it's as though God's a million miles away from me. That is, my friend, an Ichabod spirit. God is with you. God is with you. Well, you don't know, Pastor. You know, I, I have a lot of problems in my personal life, and you, you don't know all the things that are going God, God is with you. You don't know what's happening, Pastor. I'm going through some stuff. I can't even see God. God, God is with you. You don't know what the doctor told me. God, God is with you. And you've got to get that in your head and get that in your mind because the enemy is trying to attack you from knowing that God is with you. He can't keep God from being with you. He tries to keep you from knowing that God is with you. Just stop here for a moment and examine your personal life. Where does the name of Emmanuel expose your unbelief? Where does the name Emmanuel, God with you, expose your unbelief? Where in your life do you not perceive that God is there? And that is where your unbelief is. Emmanuel means God. Interpreted meaning God is with you. The Bible even goes so far as to say he will never leave you nor forsake you so that you may boldly say the Lord is my help. Now stop for a minute and let's get real with God. Why would God want to be with you? Stop and get real with the equation. Why would God want to be with you? And yet he says to you, I will always be with you. And I will not forsake you. You, you. you know, being forsaken, there's a lot of reasons why people can be forsaken. And if the truth be told, you could say, honestly, there, there, Pastor, there are real reasons in my life why God should forsake me. I'm with you. I'm with you. So, you got that, right? Look at your name and say, God's with you. Yeah. Look at the person behind you and say, quit tripping. He's right there with you. <laughs> quit, quit, quit looking around because he's in you. Yes. Know ye not that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? God made a huge transaction with you. He, he, he brutalized his son to possess you. 
to indwell in you, to be in you. You and him and he and you. In God. In the Holy Ghost. Friends, listen. So that's the cotton candy. Do you like it? Who, who likes cotton candy? I like cotton candy. You know, you just put it in. You don't even have to chew it. You just, 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 just dissolves into sweetness. That nice. Anybody, if you don't got teeth, cotton candy is perfect. Just put it in. So nice. You can get pink, bubble gum. You can get blue, blueberry flavors. Nice. But how many know you won't survive on cotton candy? I mean, I like it, right? I went to the state fair. I, I got a couple bags, but listen, I had a corned dog. I had a turkey leg. I had some potato fry. I did all the stuff, right? A cotton candy is just a little dessert thing, just a little sweet thing. It's not going to sustain you. Can I suggest that all of us got Emmanuel like cotton candy? We still haven't matured into what it really means. That's why I'm so thankful for Philip. Because Philip will get you out of that cotton candy, that superficial thing that we call Emmanuel. He'll get you out of that. You know, every time you hear this, you know, Emmanuel, it's usually around Christmas time. Yeah. Right? We're all celebrating. We got gifts on the tree. The lights are on. We're in all the pageantry of Christmas. I've come to talk to you about it even before Thanksgiving. I want you, I'm so thankful for Philip. I'm so thankful for him because he asked the question that all of us should be asking. I want to see God. I mean, that's where you're going, right? You say we shouldn't know, but I haven't even seen God. That's what Philip, I haven't even seen the Lord. And then Jesus says, how long have I been with you, Philip? How sayest thou? Show us the Father, and it suffices us. Listen, if you've seen him, if you've seen me, you've seen him. I'm only saying what he says to say, and I'm only doing what he says do. In other words, Jesus had the perfect balance, catch this, of power and relationship. Let me say that one more time. Jesus had the perfect balance of the power of God, the authority of God, mingled with relationships. So let me tell you how Jesus teaches this principle. Anybody ever heard about communion? Right? We say we take communion, but do we really? Let me say it again. How many know that Jesus, what desire have I desired to eat this meal with you before I suffer? With desire have I desired to teach you what it is to know Emmanuel in his fullness. Let, let, me, let, me, let me digress. It's not going to go too fast. Some of y'all know this particular passage. In fact, why don't you do this with me? I want you to take you to the Antichrist verse in the Bible. It's St. John 666. It's the voice of the Antichrist. It's simply this. St. John 666 is this. And from that time, many of the disciples departed from the Lord and walked with him no more. You, you know why they left Jesus? Let me tell you why they left Jesus. Anybody want to hear why something? I mean, if you walk away, everybody say, oh, I wish I could have walked with Jesus. No, you don't. Be quiet. He'd know what you're thinking. You're not even prepared in your mind to walk with Jesus. Every two or three steps, he'd have to turn around and say, you nasty. Watch this. Jesus had just performed a mighty miracle by the feeding of the thousands. The following day, people were trying to find him because they wanted to eat. Jesus said, you search me not because of the miracles, because you ate. That Jesus said, labor not for the meat that only endures for a little while, but labor for the meat unto the kingdom of heaven. And then they said to him, what must we do that we might work the works of God? He says, believe leave. The Bible says that as they begin to walk, people begin to, the, the, the conversation came up where Jesus said this, you're going to have to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. Watch what he says. You're going to have to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. If you don't drink of my blood or eat of my flesh, you'll have no part of me. 
So, so let me tell you, and I've said this before, let me tell you what the church is good at doing. We're good at drinking. We understand communion, but we only stand it one way. We believe in the blood. We, we believe in drinking. We just don't believe in eating. Could I suggest to you, watch this, could I suggest to you that, that all of us through the drinking have a relationship with God? Literally, could I suggest that when we drink communion, we literally take into our lives the heartbeat of God? Right? Communion, you know, a cup. You, you drink it, and we're drinking the blood. We're, we're symbolizing that we're taking in the heart of God. Can you get that? That you might know what God wants. That you might know the heart of God. When you leave this place and you go out there and you see somebody, you know what God wants to do right there. And when you see somebody struggling, some situation, some contention, something, and you see it in somebody else's life, you know the heart of God at that place, in that issue, in that problem, in that arena. You know what God wants to do there. You just don't got the body. You drank the blood. You just haven't ate the bread. Well, what's the bread? The bread is the power. The bread is the authority. The, 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 the bread is God can do it. And I know what he wants to do. This is what Jesus was saying about Emmanuel. God is in me and I'm only saying what he says to say and I'm only doing what he says to do. This is the perfect ability of the blood and the body. Could I ask you a question? When's the last time you exercised authority? Now, let me stop here and tell you. Let me, let, let me say, a lot of you have relationship. This is, what, this is what I found over the years pastoring people. This is what I found in most of my church. My church is real good relationally. You just don't have any authority. It's because you haven't eaten from the body yet. You have all the relationship in the world. You even understand some very rich concepts in the kingdom. You just haven't exercised the ability of the kingdom. And you know what? What's happening in the church and in the current hour is that everything we're praying about, oh, God's with me. Oh, I'm so glad because, you know, whenever I go through trouble, God's going to be right there with me when I need a new job, when I need this, when I need that, when something comes up, God's going to be right there with me. And I'm wonderful for that. Amen for that. But what does Jesus say? Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me. The works that I do shall he do also. And even greater works than these shall he do because I go to my Father. In other words, you're going to go out in Emmanuel's name that God is with you to demonstrate not only the heart of God but the power of God. How was that done? Jesus said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. But I'm going to send the comforter to you. He's going to abide in you. So how say you that you know God, but you don't know what he wants? How say you that you've been born again and the spirit of God lives in you, but you don't know the will of God concerning your sick neighbor? Insomuch that you would by the body of Christ, by the bread of the Lord, go over and say in the name of Jesus, I command you to get up. You say, we've been drinking, we just haven't been eating. Emmanuel is God with us. Emmanuel is God with us. No, let me say it again. Emmanuel is God with you. Now let me say it again because you still ain't got it. Emmanuel is God is with you. Emmanuel is God is with you. God is with you. God is with you. God is with God. G-O-D is with you. What would you fear? What God can't do? And if you have a relationship with God, you ought to know what he wants to do. Let, let, me, let me read it like this. 
Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the very works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go to my Father. Watch this. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name. Yeah. Somebody say whatsoever. whatsoever. I mean, it can't get any clearer than that. Now, whatsoever. When you go out there and you're looking and surveying the things around you, you say, well, I, I don't know if the, whatsoever. Well, I'm just not so sure if God, whatsoever. Well, I don't know if God, well, whatsoever. Well, how is it that whatsoever things? Somebody say whatsoever. Whatsoever is anything, is, is all things. It includes everything that you might present before God. He says, and whatsoever things ye shall ask, what in my name? In Emmanuel's name. I'll give it to you. Now watch this. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. Now watch this. I'm going to close with this. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. So I got a question. Spirit sent me here, and this is, I'm finished. It's, it's 10.15, sorry. Look at your neighbor and say, get over it. 12.15, pardon me. Just get over it. It's late. So what? Get real. The Spirit of the Lord sent me here at the conclusion of this message to ask you a question. Over the years, I have often said, if you were to let me listen, if I was to, you're in your prayer closet and I could put my ear to the door and listen to you pray, I'll tell you how well you know God. In fact, even if you know him, I could just listen to it and say, this is a baby praying. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, there's a little bit in there, but they got a long way to go. Just, just listen to the way people pray. Tell you exactly where they are. Now, listen to this. The Spirit sent me here to ask you a question. What part of your prayer could God use to produce in the world a glory to his Son? The Bible says, so let your light so shine before men that they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. In other words, what part of your prayer life can be seen to the glory of Christ that God could answer that prayer that his son be glorified? Not because you have a relationship, but that others might see God in your prayer. What part of your prayer life produces a manifestation of the visibility of the goodness of God? What part of your prayer life? Oh, I hear you pray, oh Lord, bless my family, bless my wife, bless my husband, bless my kids, bless my job, bless my savings, bless my, bless my checking account, bless my life, bless my health, bless my this and bless my that. Oh, we hear that. I'm not asking you about that. I'm asking what part of your prayer life takes Jesus out of here and puts him over there that the world may see that God can still do what he's promised to do. That's what I'm asking. Now, you have to examine your own prayer life. You have to get real with your own self. If you really believe that Emmanuel is a truth, and I most certainly do, because I don't think I have to talk you into knowing that God's with you. I think... You know he's there. You just may never have given him reverence. There's a lot of people that are irreverent in the presence of the Lord. Even when you think you're all by yourself, well, he's with you. Even when nobody knows, he knows. Even when you thought nobody saw it, he saw it. And in fact, if you go back and examine it, he was telling you, don't do it. Yeah, I'm saying the truth. I'm talking about Emmanuel. God with us. Think about this. What, what part of your prayer life will produce the tangible visitation and manifestation of God to the world that the Son may be glorified? I'm thankful that you're blessed. Look at your name and say, I'm so glad you're blessed. Listen, listen, touch them back. Just have them say, butter and honey, baby, butter and honey. 
You know, for Thanksgiving, we like to mix butter and honey together and spread it on the bread. It's butter and honey, right? It's delicious. Anybody ever mix your butter and honey and you just kind of stir it up and just spread it? Just so wonderful. Uh, that, that to me is the Lord in my life. He's just been, he's been, he's been butter and honey my whole life. How many would say amen to that? God's been butter and honey. That, that, that's, that's relational, right? That's relational. I'm thankful. And I can relate to Emmanuel that way, that he's been good to me. But the question is, have I produced a place in my life where the glory of God can be manifested? Have I put the, the ability of God, the power of God into my relationships? I can walk like Jesus in the perfect confluence of, of both the power and the relationship. I want to be like Jesus. I only do what the Father does and only say what the Father says. And in that, it produces the work of the kingdom. Can we, all, can we all confess today that we have a ways to go in that arena, that, that we've had a lot of relationship, just not a lot of expression of authority. And God has sent me to tell you that he's with you. That when you begin to understand that, you're going to know that the Father is in you, just as Christ was in the Father, and now in you, and you in him. You're going to be walking as one. Let me confess this to you before you go. There's some people around your life right now that God is expecting you to demonstrate his glory. You just don't have enough body to do it. But the Spirit of God has sent me to tell you that God's with you. And not only is God with you for you, he's with you for others too. That his sojourning in your life is not just to produce butter and honey in your life, but produce some of that butter and honey for somebody else's life. That you may spread some of that goodness on their life, irrespective of where they are in the kingdom or what they may be doing, that you might be a vehicle that God uses to glorify the Son. Why don't we stand? Come on, let's, I'm not, I don't have to belabor this point. If you, if you, don't, if you haven't got this, you won't get anything at all. So I'm glad you got cotton candy in your life. It's nice to have cotton candy. I appreciate it. I like cotton candy. It's so nice that you have a butter and honey in your life. It's so nice. It's such a luxury. I was, I was told that in the days of, of, of the prophet Isaiah, when he spoke to King Ahaz, that, that butter and honey were delicacies. <laughs> Could I suggest to you that God has fed you delicacies? Why don't we do this? Let's, let's pray together. Come on. Father, Father, we thank you for the butter and honey that's been part of our life. In fact, Father, before you sent me out to do a thing, you demonstrated yourself to me. That you're with me. You've kept me. You've helped me. You've strengthened me. Can you confess that? Brother and sister, can you confess that? We, we, just, just tell the Lord right now. Say, Father, I want to thank you for being with me, keeping me, helping me. Producing in me your goodness, your, your butter and honey has been a, a diet of mine since we've met. You've always been good. That's your nature. Father, I'd never take that for granted. For it is thanksgiving is the will of God concerning us that we would give thanks. Brothers and sisters, give thanks. Give thanks. God, you've been so extraordinarily good to me. You've been so faithful. 